If you love the blue and white like we do, and you like to stay up to date on what's going on around Ripley High School athletics, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and turn on your notifications. It's time for the Sweet 16. This is episode 16 of Viking 360, and what an episode it is. I'm Brian Johnson, along with co-host Mike Rubin. You're going to hear from record holders, past and present state champions, and from college athletes. And we begin with the sulfur, more personal side. Former Vikings of the Frazier family have been through so much since relocated in North Carolina. Coach Justin Frazier touches on the good times and on life's challenges. Welcome back inside Viking 360. I'm joined now by one of my longtime friends, a longtime Viking who's no longer with us in the community, but will always be a Viking. And that's Justin Frazier. Justin, thanks for taking the time, buddy. Oh, thank you, Brian. I enjoy it. This is uh this is an honor to me. Well, buddy, um, you haven't been at Ripley High School for a few years. Tell us a little bit uh, about uh, what's going on with you, um, where you're at, what you're coaching, because I know for a fact you're involved in, in some coaching and you've had some tremendous players I know come through your program. Yes, I'm a, I am actually in Monroe, North Carolina. It's about uh, 30 miles west of Charlotte. I believe it's west. My wife always corrects me, but it's a, uh, it's a charter school. It's a... Uh, you know, we're a national school of character. It's, we have great kids. It's, it's a great place to work. Um, coaching wise, I'm, you know, I started here in football. Didn't even want to start coaching football. I wanted to, I, I thought I was finished, you know, but when you, uh, when you're waiting on your house to be finished and you're at a hotel with four kids, you kind of find something forward to, <laughs> you know, you try to find something. And Aaron said, you need to get out and do something. So, you know, I started helping them and then became head basketball coach for a year. And then, Three years ago, I took over the football program, and, you know, that's what we've been doing. And, you know, currently I'm an assistant principal and head football coach. Well, Justin, you know, real life kind of takes over and uh, try to get through this segment without crying on you here. But, you know, what you and Aaron have been through with your daughter, Ansley, uh, over the last several months, um, you know, you guys have really been in our prayers. Uh, You're you're and, uh, you know, she's a remarkable girl, man. Uh, tell us a little bit about her, how she's doing, uh, and, and just how the prognosis looks now. Yeah, right now she's doing great. I mean, she's a, she's a little warrior. She, uh, you know, I think it was in May. I don't know. The months ran into each other. It may have been May of last year that, you know, we noticed a knot on her tailbone and they, uh, you know, her mom being a doctor, we, she told us she had it on the slide. So we gave it, you know, two or three days and we did an ultrasound and they told us, you know, the, you know, the, the news no parent ever wants to hear. And it was a uh, malignant germ cell tumor. So she had, you know, four rounds of uh, seven days in the hospital with chemo. She uh, got through that. And, uh, you know, now we do the, uh, every month she does blood work. Every three we do scans. It's a, it's a battle, but it's, she is, she's a trooper 
and and it's just you know I, I, we never I, we never got bitter. I was never once mad. Uh, shoot, I'm getting shaken up now you, or shaken up. My English is terrible. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take the no, this old boy. But you know it. Uh, the support from back home. You know, my parents, you calling, people calling, people sending gifts. My goodness, it was it's phenomenal. And then the support here was just overwhelming. You know, you it's you have my family back home and I have my family here, and that's it's what got us through it. So she's in school. She's got a head of hair now, starting to get those curls and you know, she I think and if it you know, if it comes back then we'll hit it again. Just like a just like I have treated everything in life, hit it head on. As as a parent, Justin, uh, you know, I learn things from my kids every day, and they're teaching me about myself. I'm learning and trying to get better. As a parent that goes through that, uh, how much stronger has the bond with you and Aaron become? And and also, uh, just what did you guys learn uh, about yourself? And because uh, I know you learned a lot about Ansley and and just how strong and and tough she is. Yeah, you know, the we've always had a great marriage. We're, we're best friends, and and I think the best thing about our marriage was moving down here. Because you know, when you're home, I could drop kids off at mom's over there at the back gate. I could call Brian Johnson, watch my kids. You know, right. we didn't have anybody, and you know, we had each other. I mean, heaven forbid, I'd take my kids with me to the grocery store. You know, <laughs> it was just right. You know, and. <laughs> But I think when that happens, it goes one way or the other. And ours was, we are stronger. I mean, our love for each other, you know, a lot of people have it. And maybe people are jealous. I don't know. But I think us being so honest. And it was really, she needs to take all the credit because I, I, you know, try to pay attention. But then we'd get home and she'd explain it to me. And then I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> so, right. you know, she knew everything going on. And I'm just like, you know. I'm bringing toys, buying food, taking kids places, then set with answers during the day so she can go home and rest. So, you know, it was definitely a partnership. But, you know, Aaron deserves all the credit. Justin, you and I go way back um, <laughs> to the days that uh, you and I and, and Brian Wallen were managers on the football team back in the uh, mid to to early 80s and um you know you and i and justin uh, became really close at that or you and i and brian rather became really close and you know we had a, a tremendous uh, upbringing from that standpoint uh getting to learn from guys especially you now and brian both of you in the coaching uh, from coach marino and obviously your dad who was a, a big part of that and your your older brother um talk a little bit about that justin and and what that upbringing meant to you and, and just growing up around the game and, and, and being a part of it and having friends from that, that, that you keep for your entire life. Yeah. It, it's, that's who shaped who I am, you know, honestly being around dad and, and you guys and, and all the players, you know, the, the guys that you used to, to tag in the locker room and shoved you in the locker. Now, you know, you're friends with them that, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be coach Fraser's son. You know, we're always going to be the, the three little guys that were just – we weren't managers. We were playing football <laughs> behind the field. But, you know, all those yeah. all those guys took us in like they were their own. And it was just – it it realized what athletics is about, and it's a family. And, you know, I I learned so much from those guys. You know, Dean and Reed and Dad and Coach Marino and Coach Wallen and, and then you guys. And we took pieces of what they did 
and kind of added to our personalities. I think that's helped us with kids to make us who we are. But I think it, it definitely shaped who I am. You know, it's, it was, I, you can't get the teaching that we received growing up around football. I mean, you just can't, it was, it was a blessing to be honest. Well, I, you know, I look back at probably one of my more fond years as being a part of the Ripley Viking family was being your assistant basketball coach uh, when you and I coached freshman basketball that year. What a great team we had of kids, Mel Horn, John Mel Horn, Brandon Rogers, um, Josh Whitlock, I believe, is on that team as well. Yes. And, you know, it was fun, man. We had a great year, uh, great success, and we got to share it together as friends. And, and hopefully uh, we helped uh, those young men a little bit in life. Are you there? I'm oh, here. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. It went dead on us. Uh, no, that's oh, okay. you know, and I still talk to a lot of those guys. I, you know, matter of fact, uh, Whitlock, he lives 20 minutes from me. And he uh, he sent me a picture of him and Dale Kessler when, when Haas and I helped Reed coach a 9 through 12 baseball all stars when we were in college. But that was that right there. I learned so much that year. You know, I came out of college, played for Cal Bailey. You know, I was ready to tackle the coaching profession. And I was in my dad's office more as a coach than I was as a student, you know, and, <laughs> you know, just those kids were special. And, you know, all those kids, I mean, I can name them off. All, all those, I believe they're all successful. And I, I don't, I think we had a little bit in it, but I mean, those kids were just phenomenal kids. I mean, I, I loved all of them and that experience and, and thinking of that and, and, you know, George, I mean, how can you not, George Thompson and being around him every day and those kids, that was just, you don't find it. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot's changed, uh, Justin, since you last left. We've lost a lot of, of figures at Ripley High School that mean so much, and Coach Harmon and, and uh, George you mentioned. We lost uh, uh, Coach Butch Skeen this week. Uh, you know, um, a lot of important people around this program, and uh, we've started losing them. That's always – a sad thing uh, to have to deal with, but luckily we have a great uh, core in in the Viking Nation that uh, is real supportive uh, when we do lose one or someone uh, is battling something. Yeah, it it is, and we play for all the you know we played for all those guys, and that you know love Coach Kings, love Coach Harmon. You know we'd argue, and, and you know he he loved the kids. You know he he was a, one of the best basketball minds I've ever been around. He and he and Mick, and then playing for Coach Marino, I mean, he was a great football coach, but he was a great man. You know, I, I could just call and talk to him, and, you know, it's going to be fun this year running his offense, and I'm going to bring that. I've said I'm going to do it every year, but this year I have to, but we're going to run the old, the old bone, first, second, third man, so hopefully he'll be watching and get a kick out of it. You know, Coach, uh, do you ever uh... – do you reflect on that much in your time now? I know you're busy. You're doing what you do. Uh, how much do you really draw from uh, your experiences in the past here in Ripley? Oh, everything. You know, everything from the negatives to the positives. You know, everything was – you know, it's – I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for Ripley. You know, let's face it and be honest. Every Everybody there that, that helped bring me up and pushed me, the coaches, the, you know, the great – I mean, people don't understand the great teachers there. I mean, phenomenal. I, I can't name a bad teacher I had. You know, it was uh, 
it was they were tough they were hard on you but but what i got from ripley that that i try to turn here is is being honest you know i mean i was around a lot of honest people that you know if you don't want the truth don't ask for it (laughs) exactly my dad was and it's uh i've done a lot it's it's uh but it's it's better not being in your hometown coaching. I'll say that you know it's sure. You know, it just you know it's it's fun. It's I, I I can't say that I enjoy it more than Ripley, but but I do. You know what I mean? I, I know right. it sounds stupid, but you know it's just it's what where I need to be. Talk about your mom and dad and what an impact they've had on your life. Oh, you know, my yeah, you know, everybody knows that. You know, dad is that is strong he is you know he is he's in my idea he's the man you know he just he always has been he was a great father a great coach and he's that guy that was always honest and you know to this day but he always knew there was a little something off about me you know just kind of being so goofy <laughs> and stuff he tolerated it and I, you know he uh you know we talk two or three days a week you know it and you know, it's never about anything other than the kids and family. I mean, we'll talk some about football and stuff, but you know, you know, we're best buddies now. And uh, he's just uh, his work ethic and what he did at Ripley. You know, it's going to be hard to hard for anybody to match when you put that many years and how many kids he affected and 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 molded and did. You know, athletic and academic. Now, mom is he's always held us all together. But, you know, I, mom is the nicest sweetest woman you'll ever meet it's no no question about it (laughs) there's no doubt sometimes i think there's no way she's that nice but she is and it's because (laughs) it's it's her faith and her love you know she's just special and i I can't you know she is she's simply amazing to to be able to put up with with dad and myself and sister and brother and hold us all together she is she's the rock you know now, I'm, last question I'm going to ask you, how does it feel to wear red? You know, <laughs> I love it. And it's, I don't have red and black like my brother, but it's, uh, it, it's great. I mean, I, you know, when, it, towards the last couple of years I was in Ripley, the, it didn't seem like we disliked each other as much, you know? And, and right. It's, uh, sure. I can remember growing up, like, yeah, I didn't want to go to Parkersburg because you had to pass Ravenswood. But <laughs> yeah, it's changed. But, you know, it's certainly changed. That's the first place I taught at, and one of the best places I taught at. Yeah, Mick and Kent and and Jim Mayhan and Coach Sturm and and you know Canterbury, uh, Rector, all those great guys. Gary Brahan and Pickle. That place is great. It is. It's just, it's and so is Ripley. They're two excellent schools, excellent academics. You know, the athletics are great. You couldn't find better coaches. I w- I wouldn't imagine since you know i uh but it's great to see jimmy there i I think he's doing a great job you know my i've got you know now he's got guys i went to college with like west swain that's there now i mean you can't be anybody i mean west swain's one of the best guys you ever meet so and you had some buddies there too you know i mean they're all they're they're great people and it's uh well bottom bottom line is they're jackson county people that just wear a different color on on their shirt you know and I've always said that uh, I've always been a proponent of uh, consolidation. I know that's not a popular, but man, I could think of some pretty darn good football and basketball teams and baseball teams we could put together with those two schools. Oh my goodness, it'd be it'd be something. It'd be it'd be nice to start uh, 
thumping on thumping on big schools because you know they'd be right up there with them. Absolutely, Justin, buddy, come see me next time you're in, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we continue to pray for you and your family, and glad everyone's doing. I really that. appreciate it. If you ever uh, want to come down this way, man, we'll, we'll hit the links. That sounds good, and I I might take you up on that, pal. Appreciate it. Thanks again for the time. You've been listening to former Viking Justin Frazier right here on Viking 360. Lady Vikings softball gets underway Wednesday with a trip to South Charleston. This season is already underway for Ripley grad Kelsey Moore, who now wears the blue and gold of West Virginia Tech. We're talking on Viking 360 with former Lady Viking softball and soccer player Kelsey Moore, who is now a junior at WVU Tech down in Beckley. Welcome, Kelsey. Uh, Hi. Tell us a little bit about your softball season. I see, according to the stat sheet, you're off to a a decent start with the Golden Bears, a 429 batting average. Uh, Yeah, our season just started. We're just a few games in, and it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, We haven't played a whole lot, but we've played a few games, so... And Kelsey, you were telling me that uh, you're coming off a a rather unusual injury. Uh, Yeah, that'd be correct. Uh, I had a sledding injury uh, last January, so I didn't get to play last season. And I uh, broke a bone in my neck and busted my head open. And uh, everything is normal now. I see where you even have... uh, uh, you're three for three in stolen bases, a home run, two R- two doubles, and, and four RBIs. Uh, yeah, that's correct. And uh, here uh, in the not-too-distant future, actually you will be there when this airs, but uh, you'll, you're going to uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That, that, that has to be exciting. Oh, yeah, that, that's really exciting. Excited to get a lot of games in. Kelsey, you had uh, some success uh, with the Lady Vikings, both in um, in softball and soccer. Uh, a four sport, uh, a four year letterman in, in both sports. What were some of the highlights uh, for you as a high school athlete at Ripley? Um, I honestly just I loved playing soccer when I could. Uh, my favorite part is about softball when uh, we made to the state tournament three out of four years. I loved that experience. Uh, it was one once in a lifetime thing. Like going three out of four years is just unbelievable. Great experience. And on the collegiate level, you have chosen sports management as your as your major. That sounds uh, like an interesting career. Where do you hope that that uh, that leads you down the road? Um, I hope to own and run my own sports complex eventually and hold, ter- hold tournaments there. And I definitely want to coach softball in the future. And Kelsey, tell me what it's like to balance the academics along with the athletics on the collegiate level. What's it like to to try to keep up the grades and and still perform uh, with the team? Uh, that's a bit of a challenge. Uh, um, you have to be you have to have a lot of good time management skills. Um, sometimes you'll have multiple practices a day, or sometimes really early morning practices. But I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's it's an unbelievable experience. It'll prepare you for the rest of your life. It's Great time management teaches you a lot. Excellent. And our guest uh, 
has been Lady Viking junior infielder Kelsey Moore at WVU Tech. Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you. Viking baseball has its season opener a week from Saturday at Capitol High. Former Viking Jonathan Murphy finishes his college career at West Virginia State, and he's about to wear a new uniform as he has enlisted in the military. He has just completed a uh, pitching career at West Virginia State University. We are talking with former Viking baseball pitcher Jonathan Murphy. Jonathan, thanks for being with us this morning. Let's talk about um, your baseball career, and I, I know you started off at Glenville, and then you moved on to West Virginia State, and tell me about some of the uh, highlights uh, of your career at, at State. Okay, um, well, I started at Glenville, and I was a starting pitcher there, and then when I moved to State, they kind of uh, told me that I would fit the relieving role better. And I kind of agreed with that. I was a little bit harder thrower. Um, I was more, had the mindset of locked in and focused on uh, the small innings instead of the long game. Um, and I just cared more about going in last minute and just giving it everything I had instead of pacing myself throughout the game. Um, but, yeah, they, they moved me then uh, to the reliever role and, I didn't turn back ever since then. Jonathan, tell me about that uh, in this era of baseball specialization, uh, the, the role of a relief pitcher. Uh, how is that uh, from a, uh, the physical standpoint of getting ready for just a short performance like that and the mindset mentally of, of having to come in knowing that you may be uh, coming in only to get one or two batters out? Um, well, everything with the mindset starts with how you train. So I tra started uh, transitioning from uh, running long distance to I started doing short sprints, trying to work on foot, foot muscle groups. I uh, started uh, lifting heavier weights um, for shorter reps. Um, so that, just, that started it. Focus on giving everything you have all at once instead of pacing yourself, like I said before. Um, but the mindset... Truly, when you get in the game, is uh, you don't really worry about everything. At least I did. And I just worried about this pitch right here, um, and then I go from one pitch to the next pitch, and then from that pitch to the next one. But I would never focus on more than anything other than one or two pitches at a time. Uh, you don't really have time to worry about everything going on. You just more or less go in there with aggressive mindset. You're better than that person at bat and you're going to beat them. And if you don't have that mindset, then you, as a reliever, you're going to lose. I like that. Uh, and in addition to uh, pitching down at, uh, at State, you also uh, had some experience in the uh, summer collegiate uh, leagues. Tell us the teams uh, that you played on uh, during the summer months. Okay. Um, I played for uh, Galleon, Ohio, uh, the Galleon Graders. Uh, that was the uh, Great Lakes League. I played them all summer, uh, 2016. Yeah, 2016. Uh, then at the end of the year, I went from that team to the uh, Virginia Valley League. And I 
played there for their postseason team as a reliever there. Uh, then the next year after that, 2017, I went from I played. I went back to the valley. Actually, I uh, went to Woodstock, the uh, so little town out there. Woodstock, where we the River Bandits. Um, I was a reliever there. Uh, I did. That was probably the best year I had in my whole career. Was that year? Uh, I was. I finished number one reliever in that league. I was number eight pitcher overall. Uh, topped out at 94 that year. And then from there, I went to the Coastal Plains League, and I went down to uh, Gastonia, North Carolina. That was a really cool little town down there. That's probably my favorite experience was Gastonia. I went down there and pitched, pitched in front of a, a stadium, and, and they had 8,000 people down there. And I pitched uh, the eighth inning down there, and struck out three kids back-to-back from Vanderbilt. And the whole place is shaking so bad that when we got back to the dugout, um, the, the dugout was shaking from all the fans going crazy. It was, it was a neat experience. That really does sound sound neat. Uh, and you have also been involved, uh, as many uh, college players do, with uh, pitching lessons. And tell us, uh, do you offer lef- lessons? What types of age groups do you work with? And, and what do you emphasize as a pitching instructor? Uh, yeah, I do. I still do offer pitching lessons. I'd probably do that, you know, until I can't do it anymore. Um, but my age groups are really... I don't like to do anything younger than 10. I have some nine-year-olds, but at that point, it's just they need some, they just need to get out there and do it. Um, but I, I would coach everybody all the way up to even college-level kids if they need it. Um, but it's really different uh, depending on their age. So as a younger age, I don't really coach uh, so much uh, like throwing hard or getting a good spin on a curveball or something because they don't need to be worried about that. They need to be worried about the very, very basic, uh, going back to lifting their leg, releasing the ball properly, uh, figuring out their arm spot, or arm spot, sorry, uh, their specific way that they need to throw the ball. And every, like I said, everybody's different. So at a young age, it's just they need to learn more about themselves. And I'm there to just kind of help them with that. Um, as a younger, or as an older group, it's, there, the high school kids, uh, even some middle school kids, middle school will start imp- implementing some weights, um, teaching them how to mature their body a little bit more, get everything they can out of it. And then for the high school kids, I'm really teaching them how to lift weights one day, how to take care of their arm uh, the same day. The next day we'll go throw. Um, we need to work on strengthening their legs, strengthening their backs. Uh, their small muscle groups, their large muscle groups, just everything at that point in their career ties them together, not only from their mental aspect, but their physical uh, physical aspect. So at that point, it starts coming full circle. Jonathan, we've been talking about the different baseball teams uh, that you played on in, in recent years, but you recently joined a new team, being the West Virginia Army National Guard, and you'll be with the Special Forces. Uh, tell us about your decision uh, to join uh, the military and what lies ahead for you in the in the coming months. Um, well, um, 
part of the second 19th special forces unit of the special forces support right now. Um, but, uh, I just really wanted something more out of my life. I, you know, I've never been the type of person to work a, a job and sit in the classroom and really thrive in that environment. I'm more or less somebody that has to go out and do something with their hand. I have to be a part of something that's bigger than me. Um, and I, I got a couple jobs when I graduated. I never felt really fulfilled, but I've always had a passion for the military. Uh, even at a young age, I kind of grew up watching those war movies and getting all excited and stuff. Not, not saying I want to go to war or anything, but, um, yeah, I mean, I've always had a passion for the military. I want to be, uh, I'm a patriotic, very patriotic person of America. I love the sense of brotherhood that surrounds the military. And I just think that that would be the best fit for me in my life is to be surrounded by that environment. And Jonathan, uh, your family has strong ties uh, and has for a couple generations with uh, Ripley High School Athletics. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the role that your mother played in that and your uncle and some cousins and, and other individuals. Uh, yeah, so I came from a pretty uh, athletic family. My mom, she played a bunch of sports, and when she got to high school, uh, she was very athletic, obviously, played uh, basketball, um, softball. When she got to college, she ran track, I played basketball and softball, and not very many people do that, so it's a pretty big thing for her, um, and that kind of pushed me to do what I wanted to do, is how athletic she was, and my dad was pretty athletic, too. He went to Pot State to play football. Um, my uncle... Steve, he's been around basketball his whole life, loves it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he eats and breathes it, you know. He's just always there, always doing something. Um, he really does love it. My cousin, uh, cousins Jameson, Jalen. Uh, Jameson, probably one of the most athletic people there are now. You know, he's uh, down there at State now. He's waiting for his chance to really shine there. Um, he's always been an inspiration. He always, ever since he was a little kid, him and his dad would be in the gym. Just working as hard as they could to do better, and it's really paid off. I'm really proud of that kid. Um, Jalen, you know, she's is finally starting to excel with softball, and she's really coming through with basketball too. So I got to be proud of her as well. You know, just it's it's nice to be around that family environment that's like this. Jonathan, thank you so much for it sharing some time and your experiences with us and uh, for being on Viking 360. It has been said that records are meant to be broken. Here's one record, however, that continues to stand the test of time. It was set in 1979 in track and field by none other than Lady Viking Phyllis Chancey. Our guest is Phyllis Chansey, and we're going to talk a little track history uh, with Phyllis. Um, as we walk around Memorial Stadium, we see a wall, uh, on a sign on the wall at the stadium that, that talks about all the different track records for the school. And one that stands out to me was a record in the shot for girls track set in 1979. Phyllis, tell us about that record-setting performance back in 1979. Well back in 1979 we did not have the paved track and the 
spinning circles that the kids have today. And I was at Spencer High School, and we had a little circle burnout, and we spun in that circle and did shot put and discus. And you had a record-setting uh, performance at Spencer. Tell at us, Spencer, do you, what, do you, what are your recollections about that day? I threw uh, 34 feet, and that was the uh, record for our high school and for that meet. And it was just a... Uh, I also had to go run the two-mile after that because we needed points, and they knew I would get last place. So I didn't get to cherish the record because I had to go run the two-mile, and I was not a happy person to run two miles that day. And Phyllis, you were telling me that was in 1979. However, yes. you didn't graduate until 1981, right. and you were the... Uh, you, you had a quite an impressive uh, performance in, in your senior, senior year as well, being named the Female Athlete of the Year at Ripley High. Yeah, that was a great honor, and it was an even greater honor for all girls to finally break that barrier. And the boys in my class were extremely athletic. Mickey Marino, Terry Ockeltree, just to name a couple that as, when the awards were over with, the first thing they did was come up and they were all picked me up and cheered for me and they were so happy for me that I received that award and they felt like I truly earned it, which was nice because guys were dominating, <laughs> dominating that for all those years. And you were telling me that you continued your athletic career, although briefly, at yes. Fairmont State. Yes, I went to Fairmont State on a basketball scholarship and College level sports is a whole new era for me, and it was basically a full-time job, and I just did not enjoy that aspect of it. I wanted to, en I enjoyed the sport, and that was not enjoyment for me. <laughs> Phyllis, your family is uh, knee-deep in uh, Ripley High School history, yes. and I know uh, you're late Father Howard was so active in so many activities with the Ripley High School Athletic Boosters Club, including, appropriately so, the naming of the Chansey Walker Facilities Building. And I know that meant a lot to your father. Yes, it did. He didn't like the fact that it was named after him just because he didn't like the accolades. He wanted to do the hard work but he didn't want people to. As a matter of fact, the week before he passed away, he was up here with a, a uh, big hammer knocking down the old building that used to house the football equipment behind the visitors' stands. That's what he was doing a week before he passed away. And he was 71. And he was even telling me that the uh, new football stadium, when it was built back in the late 60s, he was very much involved with the building of Memorial Stadium as yes. we know it today. Yes, there are pictures from the yearbook, and he is in the pictures in the yearbook. He and Don Harriff, because when I would go over and walk, Mr. Harriff would always tell me stories about he and Dad building and I know there were many others, but Don and I used to walk together, and it was always nice to hear those stories. Phyllis, tell us about, and you're currently involved with Jackson County Schools. Tell yes. us about your, uh, what is your title and what are your responsibilities? And this is my 33rd year with Jackson County Schools. I taught for 24 years, and I'm currently the attendance director for nine years. So I do my best to try to get the youth of Jackson County to graduate and attend school 
get them whatever help they need with our opioid epidemic and different things that children face today. It's, it's a way of giving back to the community as I was raised. Very good. Our guest on Viking 360 has been Phyllis Chansey. Phyllis, thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Technically speaking, it's not part of the Ripley High Athletic Department, but here's a Viking team that has put together back-to-back -to -back state titles. The competition is robotics, and not only did the Vikings repeat as West Virginia State champions, they were the state runner-up as well, as we hear from Ripley High senior Michael Lowe. Ripley High finished not only number one, but number one and number two in the state robotics competition and our guest on Viking 360 is Michael Lowe. Thanks for joining us this evening. Well thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And tell me a little bit about the robotics competition and how that works and how Ripley won the state championship. Well the robotics competition works. It's the name of it is Vex Robotics and it's a new game every year. This year it's turning point and you pick up plastic balls that are on the field or your robot picks them up and you shoot them at the flags and toggle them to your team color which is either red or blue and then there's caps on the field that you flip over to be on your color or you can stack them on post. And this took place at Fairmont State University and I understand there were about 40 uh, schools represented in the competition. So uh, Ripley won the team title and how did it come down to two Ripley teams battling for the championship? Well, at the end of the qualification rankings, Ripley was first and third, so we were at two opposite ends of the bracket, and it just we both battled through the bracket and ended up in the championship match against each other. Very good. And where does the team go from here? The team will go to the Kentucky Exposi Exposition Center in Louisville, Kentucky for the world competition. And when you say world competition, it is literally a world competition. There are teams here from all over the globe. Yes, 50 countries were represented last year and we expect the same number this year, over 500 teams. So what kind of goal, realistic goal, do you have going into this competition? Our team goal is seven or three, seven and three or eight and two out of the 10 qualification rankings. Last year our team went six and four, which is very, very good for a team's first year at Worlds. And we hope to be um, make it to the elimination tournament. And Michael, I have one more question. You have uh, various uh, components that go into being successful at this. And tell us what those components are. What does it take to make a good robotics team? And how will you use that later on with your education or in life? Well, it is especially good for me because I'm going to study mechanical engineering at WVU but the thing that makes a good team is being able to work together and trust your different guys on the team. You have a driver, an engineer, and a coder. And all, all of those positions have to work together and they have to trust each other in order for the, for the team to function at its full capability. Very good. We've been talking with Michael Lowe on Viking 360. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Now let's turn back the clock to 1997. The top movie that year was Titanic. Mike Tyson was on top of the boxing world, and it was an amazing season for Viking baseball. 
Ripley would capture its first state championship by knocking off the mighty Jefferson Cougars. All-Stater Kevin Thompson has fond memories of that incredible night at Old Watt Powell Park in Charleston. Our guest on the Biking 360 is former Ripley High School athlete Kevin Thompson. Kevin, thanks for joining us on the broadcast. Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. You graduated from Ripley High in 1999 and had the opportunity to play in not one, but two uh, West Virginia uh, state baseball tournaments, the most exciting one uh, coming in 1997. Uh, Ripley is playing Jefferson in the finals, having uh, defeated Hurricane in the semifinals, and uh, one of the most exciting plays in the history of Ripley baseball and in the history of that tournament. Can you just, uh, what are your recollections of that particular play? Uh, well, I actually had a chance to watch, um, courtesy of you, Mike, the uh, the DVD version of the of the play here recently, and uh, it still gives me chill bumps watching it. The uh, recollection, basically, um, you know, when you're 20 years out from you know a moment like that, um, you probably remember it a little bit differently. But uh, that one's pretty vivid in my mind. The um, atmosphere that we had, uh, the Viking fans uh, have always been, and and I know continue to be uh, some of the best fans we have in the state. Um, we had thousands of fans that were there for that game and just the energy we had in the uh, in the park that day was pretty amazing and I remember just being I was only a sophomore so I was pretty nervous and pretty green um, in moments like that and uh, the uh, the intensity that uh, our, our coaches brought that our fans brought and that moment um, all summed up together with the final play where it was a bang bang play at first and then a bang bang play at home to win, to beat a team that we were never supposed to be in even contention with, um, let alone beat, was a pretty amazing moment. Um, I have to say it was uh, one of those moments in sports for, for me in my entire career that stands above all others for sure. Jefferson uh, had been a perennial uh, state champion in baseball and as uh, my memory serves me, they had not lost a game that year within the state of West Virginia. That's correct. From what I remember, I, I actually do believe they lost a game to a team out of uh, either Georgia or North Carolina that year. And as we had rankings were a little bit different back then, um, as we were told, they were ranked around the third on the East Coast uh, for baseball. And they actually 10 run the team prior to the game. They played us in the state tournament. And no one really gave us a chance. Um, didn't stop our fans from traveling. Didn't stop our players from believing. Um, and that moment at the end of the game um, was, was bittersweet. It was, it was a moment that... Uh, I think a lot of fans and uh, a lot of players for sure, especially being on the field, will never ever forget no matter how, how many years go by. And Kevin, let's go into a little bit more detail on the play. Joe Thacker is the runner on second base and you're at the plate and tell us what happened. So there were two outs and uh, Joe being one of our fastest runners we had on our team was on second base and, and by far one of our best base runners. Um, I was uh, at the plate and really just trying to protect the plate. They had a uh, an all-state pitcher um, that was a left-hander that had a very good breaking ball. I got two strikes on me with two outs and he threw a curveball that probably was one of those that I had to swing at and I hit it so hard in the dirt in front of me <laughs> that it jumped up um, several several feet in the air down the third baseline and made the third baseman have to backpedal and wait a little bit on the ball. Well I took off for first base running as fast as I possibly could. Um, ball comes across the field and for whatever reason which I've never done in my entire baseball career nor will any baseball player normally do I slid into first base well when I did that apparently um, it took the leg spun the first baseman around a little bit as he caught it um, I was called safe 
Joe never hesitated coming around third base, watched the play the entire time, saw that I was safe and sprinted for home. Dives in head first, gets called safe, and he probably threw his helmet 300 feet in the air um, as he jumped up and we, you know, with the state champions. Yeah, and, and I've got the, the uh, cereal box to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> then the fans came rushing the field. It was it was a pretty amazing moment, and I watched it again just the other day, um, and it just still gives me chill bumps talking about it and seeing it. It was it was pretty special for for everyone. All right, uh, Kevin. Uh, after high school, you had an opportunity to go play uh, college baseball in the ACC. Uh, tell us about your collegiate career and the highlights thereof. Uh, it was it was pretty amazing. Um, the, just a chance to go play in the athletic. Uh, Coast Conference um, at the time and still is uh, one of the best conferences for baseball. Um, we get to play in, a, in, a, in an era where we had just a handful of Major League Baseball players that came out of there. Um, some all-stars, Mark Teixeira and some of those guys that played at Georgia Tech and Florida State and North Carolina were all pretty amazing. So we had a pretty tough battle and pretty tough game every weekend. I had a, a really good opportunity to start my sophomore year and, and, and threw really well. Um, until I had shoulder surgery and, and tore my shoulder up at the end of the year. But uh, the experiences that I had, I had you know a couple of really good games and got some recognition for National Player of the Week one week and ACC Pitcher of the Week a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, shoulder surgery brought me down a little bit, but I still had the opportunity to throw for a few years after, which uh, you know that's all you can ask for in, in this day and age, just a, an opportunity to play at a level like that. And not many people get to do it, and I, I really appreciate it. And the fact that I get to play for Duke too, um, I got a great education out of it, and kind of set me up for. You know my career, my uh, my life now. So very appreciative. And now let's talk about that. Let's talk about your career and your family now. Sure. Yeah. So uh, you know, after college, I had a chance to, to move into a company um, called Stryker. And Stryker is a for those who know the medical world at all is a pretty big name making medical equipment. And so I actually sell um, equipment that they use for operations and surgery around the West Virginia area. So all the hospitals, um, any place that does. Um, surgery, I saw some of the equipment they use for that, um, the camera systems and things. And I, a few years after that, I met my wife. Um, actually, in New Jersey, a former teammate of mine was getting married in New Jersey. And I uh, went up for the wedding and, and uh, met her. And we actually had a long distance relationship for a little while. I ended up marrying her, beautiful uh, pediatrician that works for Marshall Health down in, uh, we live in Taze Valley now in the Hurricane area. And I have three kids. I have a seven-year-old Owen who's playing in a second-grade basketball tournament today. Um, I have a little girl Emma who's four, and my little guy Reed. He's only two; he turns two in a, in a week. So, honestly, you know, Mike couldn't be more fortunate. Uh, my life has been um, just truly blessed. And um, coming back here, I was walking on campus with actually walking through the doors of my dad, and the memories and things have changed. Obviously, in the the new paint on the walls, the new gym floor, and. The facilities are just actually just top-notch still here, but uh, we actually just walked through the locker room a few minutes ago in the basketball locker room, and I remember when this thing was built um, and the moments we had in here and the pre-games and uh, just an amazing experience, you know, coming up as a Ripley Viking. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the broadcast. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for having me. Ripley opens the track season at home on Friday, March 15th with the Viking Relays. And the Ripley High tennis teams will be breaking in the new courts in Ripley City Park on Saturday, March 16th. Episode 16 is dedicated to a true Viking fan and former coach Anthony Butch Skeen. We'll see you around, coach. And in his memory, we will conclude this podcast with a moment of silence.